Hello, Harvest Word Podcast listeners. This is Clifton Gadboys. Hopefully, you've had the chance to listen to the recent update where I shared what I've been doing and why it's been so long since I've published a podcast. If you haven't yet, now might be a good time. Also in that update, I shared that for the near-term future, I'm going to be focused on my partnership with Christ Mandate for Missions, of which I am a part. This partnership is an effort to bring glory to God by bringing the testimonies of various CMM missionaries to a larger audience through podcast media. What you're about to hear is the first in that series of interviews. The regular Harvest Word podcast hasn't gone away and will return in God's time. For now, listen to this awesome testimony of God's faithfulness and power. I know you're going to be blessed. Welcome to the very first CM Missions Cast. I'm your host, Clifton Gadboys. Now, some of you listening to this are already familiar with CMM, who we are and what we do. However, for the benefit of those who may not be so familiar with CMM, I'm going to take a few moments to tell you about us. Christ's Mandate for Missions began in 1978 as an outgrowth of Dr. Sidney and Helen Carell's Answering God's Call under Amy Simple McPherson to go around the world and spread the gospel of the kingdom of Jesus Christ everywhere they went. Beginning with their first mission trip to China in 1935, the vision God gave them has grown until today it includes hundreds of missionaries and local pastors in almost 50 different countries. The goal of CMM is to connect people who are hungry for a genuine, authentic relationship with the Lord. CMM has an extensive network of friends who work together to fulfill the Great Commission and to help prepare the Bride of Christ for His return. Some of the ways CMM is working to meet these goals includes church planning and the training of local pastors. CMM also works with the persecuted church in countries which are hostile to the gospel of Jesus Christ. CMM also helps to provide for widows and orphans as well as helping to provide clean water sources and other humanitarian services where they are needed most. In addition to all of that, CMM has an accredited College of Theology that has schools and students in many nations. CMM College of Theology helps people grow in their passion and hunger for the Lord by helping people to learn and study the Word of God with a new depth and understanding. This insight helps CMM students to find and fulfill their God-given calling. CMM College of Theology graduates are helping to build the kingdom of God everywhere they go. And believe it or not, there's even more that CMM is doing to fulfill God's great commission. To learn more, you can visit cmm.world or cmmtheology.org. George Barrett has been the president of CMM since 1998, and Nancy Daniels is the global dean of CMM College of Theology. So now that I've introduced you to CMM, I want to talk about what the CM Missions cast is all about. In 1 Thessalonians 5.12, the Apostle Paul tells us to recognize those who diligently labor among you. This podcast was conceived as one way to share the testimonies of people you might otherwise not hear about. In several places in the Bible, we are told that we should testify what the Lord has done, and in that way, the glory of God is made known, and then more people come to know Jesus as Savior, and then their lives and the lives of those around them are changed forever. This podcast is one way CMM is working to obey God's command by sharing the testimonies of some of the CMM missionaries around the world. This first episode is an interview with Carol Chala, who is a CMM missionary in Thailand. And I started the interview by asking Carol to share a little bit about herself. So I was born in Canada. 
and grew up on a farm and I was the oldest of four children and really enjoyed outdoors and mountains and nature. Really enjoyed growing up in the ranching farming lifestyle. I then asked Carol to share with me the story of how God called her into ministry and into missions specifically, what her initial response was, what obstacles came her way, and ultimately how did God confirm his calling to her? My dad would say ever since I was junior high, maybe 12 years old, I I knew I wanted to go overseas. I wanted to be single and serve God overseas. When I went to university, I intentionally got a degree in education because I figured that was something that could be used worldwide. When I finished my education. I had went to Urbana where they have all the different mission groups come together and to find out, okay, God, where do you want me to go? I talked to different missionaries that had come through and I narrowed it down to China or Thailand. And I couldn't decide. I would go to the early morning prayer meetings at our church. And I think the pastor was getting a little bit tired of like, you want to go, but you don't know where to go. So this week, why don't you ask God for a rhema word? So as I was reading my Bible that week, I came across a phrase that said, you've never been this way before. I had taken short-term mission trips and I was in Kenya and Israel and Hong Kong and China. But this phrase, you've never been this way before, was how God directed me to Thailand because I'd never been to Thailand before. And in fact, it was a month before I came here that I sat down with my dad and looked on a map. Where is Thailand? He says, I'm letting my little daughter go to a place where his uncle had fought in World War II and it's, you know, the killing fields on one side and Burma on the other side. And he never been here and I'm very proud how my dad was willing to let me go where God had called me. So in Joshua, when the Israelites were going to cross the Jordan River, there's the phrase there that says you need to stay close to the Ark of the Covenant because you've never been this way before. And that was the phrase that God used to confirm to me that Thailand is a place that I am to go. Some of the initial resistance came from a family. I come from a a Dutch family background and they like to do things together and stay close to the family. And I remember one aunt saying, can't you serve God after your family? It was like, I know God has spoken. I know God has called. And my obedience to God caused some soul searching among the different people that I was around, which turned out to be very good in the end. It's about a month or so before I leave. And I'm asking God, like, why am I doing this? Or where did this come from? Or like, what's going on? And I was just hanging out at church after youth group. And one person came out of the sound booth and said, oh, Acts 26, 17 to 19 or 16 to 18 or for you and it's like I have no idea what it says so I went home and looked and it, it kind of gave me the guideline of why God was sending me and that's when Paul told King Agrippa I'm here to bring people from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light just I'm sending you that phrase finishes with I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision in Joshua you've never been this way before in Acts where God says this is why I want you to go I was sitting at the airport, my last airport in Canada, and I'm reading my devotions, and it was the Amplified, and it was Genesis 12 in my daily reading program. It was like, leave your country, leave your family, leave your father's house, and it's like, that's exactly what I'm doing. And I studied the rest of the the part, and it's like, okay, that's all I have to do, and God said, you'll take care of the rest. And so 
for a single girl in her 20s to be leaving her country, going to a place that I had never been, no relative had ever been. I'm amazed at the grace that God gave my family to let me go, being their oldest child. Jesus just gave me signposts along the way. I was here for maybe about one month, and I was part of a ladies' Bible study, and we were in one of the embassy compounds, and they had a swimming pool there, and I was doing backstroke, and I heard God drop into my heart, you're right where I want you. And so all these anchors in Joshua and Genesis, Acts, or that impression, you're right where I want you, they were nice when it happened, but they became anchors when the storms of life came and when the the challenges came. What was my initial response? Again, about a month before I'm going, and it's like, Mom, where did this desire come from? Did you ever pray for me? Why why am I doing this? And at first, she didn't think of anything, but later she remembered that she did not think she could have children. And so she prayed one of those Hannah prayers. And she said, God, if you give me a child, I'll give him back to you. When I heard that just before I left, it's, okay, my life is not my own. Then God blessed my mom and dad with three more children. Those were part of the initial things that got me onto the mission field. I then asked Carol what other kind of preparation and training God gave her before she went out into the mission field. I had found that I had, uh, like at university, there was a natural desire to reach out to Christians from other nations. So even though our university is small, compared to American universities, there were different Christian groups on campus. And I and I reached out to the Singaporean Christians or the Malaysian Christians or the Chinese ones that had come there and just to befriend them and just see what it was like to, to interact. My parents would say, I was always helping people. I invited a girl to come and live with us because her family was, was broken. And again, my parents um, were very gracious to put up with that until her life could be more stable and she could go back to her family. I attended a kind of like just a school, or sorry, a church Bible school, just laying some foundations. And the church that we went to as a family, it provided a very good foundation in the Word of God. Whenever speakers came from other countries, I would make a point to connect with them. And at one point, we had some missionaries come and stay on the extra house that we had on our property. And so just watching them, listening to their stories, their their lifestyle, there was something that intrigued me about the adventure, but also seeing the faith. I then asked Carol to share with me some of her early experiences when she had arrived in Thailand and what were some of the difficulties and trials she encountered and how did God help her to overcome? I went to Bangkok. It's a thin city, but where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. And he provided a small group of people around. And so the early experiences, in one sense, was challenging because the I went to work and to church and to holiday and everything with the same people. It's good to have have a variety of interaction and learning to interact with other missionaries is a challenging aspect. And then the language learning. I love to hear what's going on in the heart of people. My personal journey is I believe I understand the language more than I am able to communicate what I understand. And that's because I want to hear what's going on. But because I never got a good foundation in one part of language learning, I am still not so confident in that one area. But God has been really good that right now I mostly do 
a lot of listening in Thai, but I get to speak in English because more of the people that I'm around with speak English. But it's all the fun stories of learning a language. Like I want to tell someone like you're wearing green. And I ended up telling her that uh, she's very stingy, but she's one who was paying for the meal that I was eating with. There's some of the words and the tones you can get wrong. And in, instead of the God of the universe, it's the God of the bicycle. And I've made that mistake too. And it's fun when you can kind laugh at yourself or instead of telling someone about they were uh, the mighty Gideon that talks about you know you're a mighty man of valor and things like that and instead of being the mighty man uh, it's very close to the word hell and so I use the word hell instead of the mighty man and so it's all the little language nuances that some days it's fun you can laugh at other days it's just what am I ever going to get this one thing that was a consolation through that was I was reading the Bible and in Samuel it says God knows the thoughts and intents of your heart and when I was a kid growing up I thought oh no I better be careful because God knows what I'm thinking but when I came on the mission field it's like yay someone knows me and understands me no one here knows me and understands me but God does and so that was such a great comfort to know that someone understands me one unique part of my story is I was here for one month and we went on a prayer and fasting retreat during worship I heard a voice I opened my eyes to see who else had heard this voice I would now call it an internal audible voice the voice said your husband will come through the international fellowship I had come here to be single and serve God overseas because first Corinthians says it's good to get married it's best not to and I wanted the best God was telling me my best for you is to get married and I spent the next month saying God I really don't want to <laughs> get married like it's giving up your independence and at that time I said like it's too hot with even one person on the bed in Thailand and these different excuses I gave to God but finally at the end it was okay God whoever you want I was attending a Thai church and an international fellowship. There was a Thai citizen Indian race worship leader. There weren't many eligible young men in the international fellowship at that time. I think God knew I needed that clarity. So when I said yes, wherever you want, he pointed out it was this young man. And two years later, we got married. And then we have two sons. Marrying into the culture and raising kids in the culture were some of the challenges and the difficulties. Kids are really good at opening people's hearts. And so because I had kids, I have a whole group of friends that I would never have had if I just came as a single missionary and stayed single. How did I get through some of the difficulties during that time? Early on, God sent a mission team and one person shared a message that our life is like a tree. Every tree has a taproot and that taproot purpose is to go find the moisture. And he said, our life is like a tree and we have a taproot that holds us secure and steady, but we need to go find the river of God's love where we can get our nourishment. So when Whenever the storms of life were greater than what I 
could handle at that time. It was like I told myself, okay, that top root into God's love, we just have to go deeper. And we have to find God's love in this. I've been through different situations, but it's been really, really good to see how God's love has been faithful and Jesus is so faithful. One other little thing I'll share is when I was on the plane on the way over, Hudson, I was reading Hudson Taylor's autobiography, and he shared when his wife died, how he would get homesick or would really miss her. And then whenever he missed or he would cry out and say, God, I thirst, which meant I'm claiming that promises that you have that if I come to you, I will never thirst and you will provide what I need. So I purposed that when I would be homesick, I would say, Jesus, I thirst. I'm missing my family and you have me here. And it was so good. Every single time he he responded, but it was always in a different way. It could have been, I received a, a letter from home. It could have been some friends dropped over I got a phone call I think once there was uh, a snake in our house and we all the excitement of having to get it out of the house or calling people to help or whatever it got rid of that feeling and it's just a confirmation that God could provide what I needed during that time for my next question, I asked Carol to share some of the things that she's doing now in Thailand and how it all fits into the overall vision that God has given her. When I first came, I was helping church in the international part with their English language correspondence. I was also teaching English in the slums and being involved with the outreach that the church was doing. So I was very involved in the church and the church was at that time the largest church and growing and it had good mission and vision. Then after I became a mom, then things changed. It was back when the Toronto blessing was going around. There were some people that came to Thailand and we were in the meeting and one of the last meetings that were being held. And I spoke to my husband and said that we were to move to Chiang Mai, which is the current city that we are living in. So for me, it was like Bangkok was a place where I met and married. We had our sons. Now God has called us to Chiang Mai. God's timing was so perfect. The education of our children, what do you do in a, in a third culture when the local standard school is not the same standard of what you can do? And the timing was perfect that when there was a missionary school that was opened, my sons were in kindergarten and grade one. And so... They were the first batch that went all the way through. And so currently, I am helping at this missionary school. And we are making it possible for missionaries to do all kinds of work that God has called them to do while their children are being educated here. But what is really neat is during the the years that I was a mom, I was a part of many different prayer groups or Jesus was teaching me how to to set his people free, how to bring freedom to them, how to teach forgiveness in another culture at a level they can understand, how to deal with the, a shame culture, which is different from a guilt culture, how to bring Jesus, bring the principles of Jesus, but let them work it out in their culture. I remember coming over, it's like, I want to meet the Jesus of the Bible, not just the Western version of Jesus. And so how to bring the, the principles that are in the Bible, but it works out in different cultures. For example, if the Bible says honor 
your elders. In the Indian culture, that would be touching their toes. In the Thai culture, it would be the way you put your hands together and why. In the Western culture, it's the way you interact with your handshakes and respect and honor. And so we take the principle, but we learn to apply it in the different cultures. And what is really neat right now is that this school, I am working in the HR department. And so I get to deal with the heart issues of the people who are having challenges. But it's based on everything that I learned when I was being a mom and going through these different prayer meetings and using these tools that Jesus gave us. And so yesterday is a really good example where one of the locals has begun and to really understand Father's heart. And there was another one who came in and had some trouble. They had to come and see HR. And we were able to deal with the root issue and deal with Father's heart. And so not just deal with the behavior and, and the punishment or whatever you would do in a normal HR setting, but I'm in a place where we can go to the root issue and we can change the lives and we can lay a foundation for these people to go out and be the ripple effects in their community of what God is doing. In our department this year, HR, I don't know if there is a normal day. I get a call and one of our teachers has been in a car accident. Me and my Thai counterpart, we go to the emergency room at the hospital and I am taller and whiter than anyone here and that it sometimes works in my favor and so I just walked right into the ER room and I ended up was able to help them and this little hospital couldn't handle the injuries of this accident so we were having to decide you know which hospital to go to and just to bring the, the calm and the presence of Jesus as we're telling the family as we're telling the, the school and the people that are involved we go to the bigger hospital and the doctor comes out and says he's broke ribs two to nine and so we count like that's eight ribs it's like dear doctor how many ribs does a person have and he said 12 and it was kind of a major major accident but that i could be there i could be the bridge and that's one thing that got us uh shown a picture many times of just being a bridge between the tie and the non-tie so when you're in situations like this we're able to bring communication and clarity and understanding on both sides and then she'd been in icu for for quite a while and the doctor said it wasn't healing right and I was able to go in and had some anointing oil and like she said, Jesus, I just would like you to hear me, uh, heal me quicker. When I was there, she was able to take three steps forward, three steps back, about six steps. And then with the team, the other person who was helping her there, we went and anointed her and prayed for her. And after that, she walked all the way to the door and back and turned corners. And the next day she was in the... Uh, hospital weight room and so to take the, the principles that I learned on Jesus setting people free or bringing healing or forgiveness or all these tools it's been amazing to see how he has put me in a place where I can use my past experience to bring freedom to the people that I am working with right now one more story. We've started 
helping people get out of debt and just learning the principles and how it works. And one of the families that we help to get out of debt, she came to me and said, can I help my friend? Can you come and pray for my friend? Their son has eye cancer, about three years old. It's like, okay, I can do that. And I think I was in master's two at the time and Dr. Nancy had had us do a thing on uh, different verses like the blood of Jesus and things like that. And so I was in, you know, that afternoon just sitting there looking up all these verses on the blood of Jesus, doing my homework. And I get a call saying these people that were coming to visit me, they couldn't make it because the dad of this little boy was the local witch doctor. And the closer he got to my house, the more agitated he became. And in fact, he only got about three or four kilometers and could not come closer. And so they went back and they said, I'm you know, so sorry we couldn't make it. But if we can come to, can we come tomorrow? I said, well, if you can make it to my house, you can come whenever you want. The next day, for the first time in my life when I, I saw two angels guarding my house and that little boy whose dad was the local witch doctor he was able to come he came with his mom and grandma and mom was a christian we prayed some a generational cleansing prayer and then we prayed for healing and we dedicated the little boy to jesus and prayed for his eye and about two or three months later he was in a car accident and just before he died he turned to his mom and dad and said don't worry, I'm going to be with God. And so I've seen Jesus protect in all kinds of circumstances. I've seen the tools that I learned just when I thought I was being a mom and studying his word or going to different meetings. I'm being able to apply now in this situation, whatever kind of situation that might come up at. So in answering my previous question, Carol shared some stories that sound like they came right out of the book of Acts. I asked her if there were any other stories about God moving supernaturally that she wanted to share. In our part of the world, most people come to know Jesus because they've seen a miracle. And whether it is praying for someone and seeing them healed, whether it's dealing with them on it, whether it's dealing with root causes of of pain, it's become part of life here. The very first time someone came and in part of the gift of healing, they said, you know, this week, may you may you see it. And so there was a lady in a prayer group. Her daughter had some kind of sprain or whatever on the ankle. And so we prayed for her. And by the time she got to the hospital, it was healed. For me, that was the confirmation that, okay, there is healing here and we can pray. As we, we start praying, as we start doing there's this one co-worker wants to have lunch with me and just wants to hear my story. And so I just tell him some God stories of how Jesus healed different people. And I said, can you pray for my grandma? And it's like, okay. And I don't even remember what I prayed anymore. The next time I met him, he said, my grandma, the spirits come and use her body. And then they would give messages or whatever. These spirits were from the enemy and they were so cruel that they were keeping her so sick she couldn't do anything but they wouldn't let her get sick enough to die. So she's living in this torment. And right after we pray, the very same week, three people in white come to her. And she says, give me a week.
week. I want to get everything in order. And a week later, she died peacefully. And the ripple effect of that through the village of someone who had lived in such torment got to meet these three people in white and had peace and knew it was Jesus. It's those kind of stories that the people here can see that God is real. Because Carol has mentioned the subject in several of her stories, I asked her to share what she's learned about spiritual warfare that perhaps some Christians, especially in the Western church, could benefit from. The blood of Jesus is one of the things that I studied when I was in the master's class and just the power of covenant. I wrote my paper on the fact that I live in a culture where compromise has enabled us to survive. And we were one of the only nations that wished from the axis to the allies in World War II to compromise our way out of things. And so to come with a covenant and the understanding of covenant and how God is there and is there to protect us, the more understanding we have of that, the more boldness we can have to step out and do what Jesus has told us to do because we know that he is backing us up. So this story I told about the the witch doctor and having to go there, I came to realize this lady works at the hospital and she's not asking the sick child to the hospital. Oh, note to self, she probably realizes there's some spiritual dynamic there. Then we got to go up to her village and there's one time they bring this girl to us and she was known to have epileptic seizures and uh, things like that. And so they said, here, can you pray for her? One key that I have found very useful here is what I call the generational cleansing prayer. Because so often when people want to get ahead here, they make promises to deities or to witch doctors or to spirits that will affect them and their children and the next generations. And so some of it's taking care of baptism, but some of it isn't. And so I have found people who cannot get a breakthrough it just to have this prayer to set them free from all the promises that their families have made. And then one of the key things is to get them connected to hearing Jesus, get them connected to God. We had a privilege of working with a lady in Patia, and she was in, she had a very, very sad story. And then she ended up in prostitution in Patia, a city known for that. She married a foreigner, the foreigner became a Christian, and then she got connected to us. At the beginning of this year in January, we spent about six months working with her to bring her to Jesus and watch Jesus bring healing to her heart. And now, just over six months later, she is walking with Holy Spirit. She is seeing and connecting with Jesus and able to be a blessing to those around. And so to know how to apply the blood of Jesus in these situations, not only for protection, but also to set the locals free from the covenants that they have made. Because the blood of Jesus is so much more powerful than the one of chickens or cows or goats that they use here. And then to get them connected with Jesus, because we won't always be with them, but Jesus always will. And so as they learn to use the word and to pray the word, that's something that's much more commonly understood in the Western nations. But to learn to word and forgiveness, as simple as it is, it's such a key for people to... Uh, there was one girl last week, she came to me and she had had a headache, a certain kind of headache for about six months. 
And as one of the people that we've trained in, in Father's Heart was saying, you know, maybe you should deal with the root cause or ask for go reconcile with the people about that. She did. And after we reconciled and prayed for healing, that headache was gone right away. And so reconciliation with people through forgiveness and as simple as it is, it's so powerful to see people being healed. My next question was to ask Carol what advice she would give to someone who is called to the mission field in a similar way that she has been. I would say it's worth it. I would say Jesus has created us to to solve a problem. He's provided a spot for us to be planted, to grow and flourish. And he's the one who knows where that is. Whether it's going on the mission field or getting married, I would say to have those anchors. Then and you have that confidence that Jesus called you and have that anchors of those confirmation. And whatever storms come, you know you're doing what he's called you to do. And you know that he sent you there. And if he sent you there or if he's told you to marry this person, then you know that he has the answers and the solutions for whatever problem that might come your way. I took some short-term mission trips. I would encourage that. Short-term mission trips, talk to missionaries, read up on different kind of mission groups, and then ask Jesus what does he want to fill into your life now as you begin to prepare. I then asked Carol how myself and anyone listening to this podcast can be praying for her. Oh, I'd love prayer. The unique part of my story is I was not sent with a mission group. In fact, I say Holy Spirit is my mission organization. And to have that kind of backup is something that I value very much. To keep the connection with Jesus and to not get too busy and to know how to, when to run and when to rest. I used to pray for the power of God so that we can see these healings and the miracles so that we can come to know Jesus and experience him and his goodness. But now I am praying for wisdom and just God's wisdom for each situation and knowing how to partner with Holy Spirit to bring his kingdom here. Because I'd like to say that Jesus is so faithful and he is so worth it. And ways that I can connect his message to the locals, that would be a key. And I stumbled on one the other day. Brene Brown, Dare to Lead, talks about shame. I'm in a shame culture. And this is the first tool I have found that opened the eyes of these Thai leaders so that they could see what's wrong about the shame and have practical steps on how to come out of it and learn to connect to the hearts of people. And so continued keys for what God has in this culture for breakthrough so that the locals can get the message of God's kingdom and be able to take it to their networks. I ended the interview by asking Carol to pray for you, the listeners of this podcast, and especially for those whom God has called to the mission field, be it down the street or on the other side of the world. Father, I thank you so much for sending Jesus. And I thank you that you have sent Jesus to earth to show how good you are. And I pray for everyone listening to this podcast 
that you will show them that you will clarify, confirm to them where it is that you want them planted so that they can flourish, so that they can bring heaven to earth, that they will know where you want them. You will confirm to them in ways they can understand of who you want them to minister, who you want them to show love to, and that you would confirm to them what time and what season they are in. Are they in a time of preparation? Is it time to go? Is it time to be planted and rooted? I ask for a confirmation from you that they will have these anchors to hang on to so that when the storms of life come, they will be able to hang on to what you have said and pass those times to gain authority for the next season. I also bless them that they'll be going to the top root of your love to be able to withstand anything that is coming. And so, Father, I bless them to be fulfilled in finding the calling that you have prepared for them. Because Ephesians 2 says that you have prepared good works for them in advance. And I bless them to find it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. What a great testimony about the Lord's faithfulness. I do hope that you've been blessed by listening to Carol's testimony. It certainly has been a blessing for me to get to interview her and to be sharing a part of her story with you. If you want to connect with Carol or send her your prayers, you can do that by emailing office at cmm.world and CMM will forward those to her. And remember, if you want to learn more about CMM in general, you can visit cmm.world. If you want to know more about the CMM College of Theology, of which Carol is a graduate, you can visit cmmtheology.org. Thank you so much for joining us for this first episode. I do apologize that in some places the audio was a little rough, but the recording did not turn out well, and I did do my best to clean it up. We do have more episodes planned. Please be on the lookout for those. Until then, may God bless you and keep you. I've been your host, Clifton Gedboys, here on the CM Missions Cast.